When we received Joshua's diagnosis of brain damage on the fourth day of his life, we were warned that he might not see, hear, walk or talk. Thankfully he has mastered all of those skills, to varying degrees, but I would like to focus on his mobility for now. Joshua was slow to walk, but once he was fitted for some tiny plastic splints, which improved the position of his foot, he mastered walking and even running. They were attached to his legs with Velcro straps and then fitted inside his tiny trainers. Even then, his weaker right foot was significantly smaller than this dominant left-hand side, and so we bought his trainers from Clark Shoes where, rather than buying two pairs of shoes and discarding two, you could buy the second pair at a discount on their disability scheme. Armed with the supportive equipment, Joshua had the confidence to walk and there was no stopping him. Given that we knew that he had poor peripheral vision, he fell over remarkably few times, rarely bumping into things. The splints got him walking but then for a while as a small boy, he did not need them anymore and we simply bought odd-sized supportive shoes for him to wear. He had good stamina and would walk for reasonable distances, accompanying us on dog walks or running along the beach. There was evidence of a limp, but his legs were growing at different rates too. We saw a surgeon who considered injecting his left knee with some magic potion, which would prevent that side from growing, to allow the weaker right side to catch up, but eventually, after investigations, he said that there was not enough growth left to make it worthwhile. At some point when he was at his special school, I do not recall at what age, physiotherapy referred him to orthotics and he was measured for splints again and some NHS boots which were made to measure to his exact foot profile. It meant that we no longer needed to buy odd shoes, but these boots are bulky, ugly and heavy. As a child, he was only entitled to one pair as his feet were still growing, so he had to wear his splints and big bulky black boots every day. I was comfortable with him wearing splints again, as I was so grateful for what they helped him to achieve when he was a toddler. But I did feel sorry for him having to wear them all day, especially in the heat of summer, so the first thing that we did when he got home from school was to remove his splints and boots so that he could relax and get comfortable. Then on the day before his 13th birthday, Joshua had brain surgery at Great Ormond Street Hospital to try to reduce, or ideally stop, his epileptic seizures. He began physio just two days after his surgery and he was encouraged to walk up and down the ward. We had been warned that there could be increased tension in his right foot and hand post-surgery, so that he could lose any fine motor skills that he had. We had not thought that he had much dexterity in his right hand but he could hold a guitar or a book at least, before the surgery, but that has gone completely since. Now his right hand is tensed up into a ball, so that it is painful to try to open his hand to wash it and to cut his rapidly growing fingernails. The surgeon advised us that Joshua would walk out of gosh in the same way that he walked in, but that was not the case. Despite the physio, he could not walk when he was discharged home. We had to move his bed downstairs into his den and my husband attached a bath to wheels, so that we could bathe him in the hall. We did not expect this slow recovery post-surgery and it is this impact on his mobility that means that were we to make the choice again, that we might not opt for the hemispherectomy. Had it left him seizure-free, it might have been a worthwhile trade-off. So at 13, Joshua had to effectively learn to walk again and splints were an important part of that recovery. He is determined and so he remastered the skill, but he has never walked as far or as smoothly as he once did. He mainly wants an arm to lean on, rather than feeling confident on his own for any distance. We would now not contemplate the long dog walks that he managed as a small boy, but if we know that we are walking any distance, we would use his wheelchair. The trouble is that overexertion slash exhaustion is a real trigger for his seizures, 
as I was reminded last month after his aunt's 60th birthday party, when I tried to walk him home to Nana's house, but he fitted when we were within sight of her drive, it was just that little bit too far for him. We tried Botox injections into his leg to try to relax the muscle tension that he gained post-surgery, followed by an intensive fortnight of twice-daily physiotherapy at Leeds General Infirmary. We were both inpatients and they tried really hard to maximize the effect of the Botox. We saw some small improvement but the impact was only temporary for Joshua and we have not tried it again when it was offered to us. We explored the possibility of surgical tendon lengthening to reduce the tightness in his calves, but the post-surgical need to keep him still for weeks afterwards, meant that it was not a practical solution for someone of Joshua's limited understanding. Unless he was in agony, Joshua would want to move around and we did not want to impose that level of agony or restriction on him for a procedure that had no guarantee of success, there was a chance that it could have made things much worse. So after careful consideration, and with a newly acquired wariness of surgical solutions, we decided against it. So I need to be more realistic about how far Joshua can manage without his wheelchair, but with his splints and boots on, he can potter about between shops and cafes easily enough, which is all he really wants to do. Although it is disappointing that post-surgery Joshua has lost both stamina and style in his walking, I am still super grateful that he has a level of mobility at all. According to his diagnosis, he may never have achieved any steps at all, so thank you to all of the physiotherapists and orthodists who have helped him get where he is today.